Dear Lord, thank you for the, just the short time that we have together this morning. I pray that our worship will be acceptable to you. And Lord, I just ask that you would reach our hearts. Communicate. Lord, use me any way you want, but just hide me behind you. You, you know I don't even know how to speak properly. But you do. So Lord, please, now we ask for a special blessing on your Sabbath day. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is this thing I've been processing. If God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Over and over, I just I think about it, and I think about it, and I think about it. And, and I've, been, I've been processing. Uh, have you ever read the story of redemption? There's that little book, the little red book, Ellen White. Uh, has written in the first couple of chapters she starts she breaks down this conversation that the father and the son have essentially they're like hey we're going to make this new world it's going to be amazing we've got a spot we now know it is earth but then there's an issue because the whole rebellion lucifer's rebellion happens and he gets sent down to, if you were here this week, Tohu, Bohu. You remember? He gets sent down to this blob without the earth, without form and void, just nothing. And I, I asked myself this question, because you know he knew he knows everything. Would you create the world? if you knew that the devil was going to be there? Would you do that? Like A lot of people think about this. It's a huge question that's been debated and everything. And here's what I've come to the conclusion. I've processed what would cause God to do such a thing. And here's the conclusion I've come to. As much as he didn't want sin to happen on this planet, as much as he didn't want his son to die on the cross, what's your name, sister? Nicole, he wanted you more. That's the gospel. I want Nicole. Let there be light. That's where we're at. It's going to happen. Give me some land. Give me some trees. Give me some bees. Give me some knees. We're going to have a world. Give me Nicole. His love for you was greater than the mess that he was going to have to clean up with his son's blood that the devil created. I mean, just wrap your head around that. And remember that what he says is going to happen is going to happen. I want you to think about this process 
He says it's going to happen, and then he tells somebody, Rick, I'm going to tell you. Then you go tell somebody. I'm going to give you some time to process this and get ready. And then I'm going to raise somebody else up. And they're going to be like, hey, hey, remember what Rick said? Yeah, it's happening. Like, that's what he does. We call them prophets. He raises one up and he goes, this is what's going to happen. Time to... It's going to happen! And then what happens? It happens. Go to Genesis chapter 5. Just look at a couple of quick stories this morning of just really cool things of, of, of this to be true. Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 to 24. And here's what I found out, that these people that announced it, they weren't anything special. It's just the message was special. And because of their faithfulness to the message, we now think that they're amazing because of what God did for them. We do this in history, right? Some dude sees the British coming. He's like, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. We write poems about them. Little children are coming here, the midnight bride of Paul Revere. I mean, we think this guy's so amazing, right? He essentially got on a horse and said, get out, everybody. We do that. But these people were just flesh and blood like you and me. But they were faithful. Enoch, this brother loved the Lord. Verse 21, he loved the Lord so much that he named his son at his death it will come. That's what Methuselah means. Now I know some of you, we have a lot of women here this morning. You, how many of you have children? Okay, we process like, what, you know, what are we going to name our kid? You know, and oh, how's it sound with the last name and the middle name? And oh, I don't like that person. We can't name him that. Right? You, you know you've done that. My wife and I had a really hard time naming our kids. I was convinced that she just didn't want to name our daughter anything that I came up with. Now, I was distorted in my thinking. I know that's not true. My wife is way too sweet. This is how warped I was. I'm like, okay, fine. I created a fake website, put a bunch of names that I knew she would hate, and then the one I really liked, and I sent her the link and said, you should check out this website. <laughs> so she went to the website, and the first word, I had alphabetical, I, 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 and she wanted an old English name that was really awesome. So I, I think I named the website like old English names that are awesome. Like something so, something so like crazy that you would just think it would have to be true. And I, you know, and I'm not going to name the other names because, you know, that might be yours. You'd be like, huh, you know. So I won't do that. But anyway, what I did was the first one was A, and we're going to have a girl, and her name, it said Adelaide which I absolutely love that name. And, and I remember, because we weren't even together, we were on the phone, and she goes, ooh, Adelaide, I love that name. I said, me too, that's her name. What do you say? She's like, sounds good. Oh, by the way, I made up this website. Love you, bye. <laughs> and now you know. Eddie Grace, my pride and joy. 
But Enoch loved the Lord so much that when the Lord said, I need you, here's the deal, your son, there's going to be a flood, and when he dies, the flood will come. So I need you to name him that. So what's really intriguing is the oldest man that has ever lived named his son, who is the oldest man who ever died, Methuselah. And then Enoch, you know Enoch's story. Enoch was so close with the Lord, the Lord says, you don't belong here. And he just took him to heaven. But Methuselah, by his very name, proclaimed a message that it's going to happen. Methuselah had a grandson. His name was Noah. God told Noah, look, in 120 years there's going to be a flood, so start building this boat. And so then Noah went around and told everybody that a flood was coming, that, that water was going to fall from the sky. That never happened before. That's so crazy. Like You're like, oh, why didn't they believe? Well, that's because you live in Michigan, and it rains every day. Are you serious? But if somebody stood up and said, teddy bears will fall from the sky and will all be suffocated by teddy bears, you'd be like, you are on something. Scientifically, what you're saying isn't even possible. But Noah's like, no. God said it was going to happen. And if He says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So He built. His bare hands. He used his family to build this massive boat. Go to Kentucky if you want to see what it'll look like. He used this massive boat for anybody to get on. The only people that got on was his family. Hey, is that good enough for you? Brock, you're a amazing dentist, and you tell everyone every day that Jesus is coming soon, and they laugh at you, and they say, oh, you can clean, well, you don't clean the teeth, but you know what I'm saying, like, you can fix the teeth, and you're amazing, and you're a really great buy, but you're whoo-hoo, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs on the, uh, on the whole second coming thing, and, and, and what if you never win a soul but your families? Is that okay? I think your kids would say it would be. Think your wife would be. But here's what I do know that when we're faithful in proclaiming what God says is going to happen, there will be fruit. Even if it's just one. But one is plenty for me. It's going to happen. Isaiah. Isaiah proclaimed this. Go to Isaiah 52. He said something really intriguing. This is a really... I just ran across this recently and it blew my mind. I, I, have, you ever, have you ever highlighted something in your Bible, I don't want to forget this, and then totally forgot about it? 
And then you read it again, and you're like, dude, this is profound. And then, uh, I already highlighted it. <laughs> I should have remembered that thing. If this is what happened to me. I'm like, whoa. I should have known that. Isaiah 52, verse 3. Thus says the Lord, you were sold for nothing. And you will be redeemed without money. You ever sold anything on Craigslist? How many Craigslist sellers? Okay, how many married Craigslist sellers? Just curious. You know how like you sell it and you get back and your wife's like, hey, how much you give for it? And you're like, oh, I, I, I took care of business. <laughs> uh, I got plenty. Oh, really? You were asking for 100 How much you get? And you don't want to say. I got 25 25, you know, and then they have this like, what? It's 25? Look, he really needed it, all right? You know, whatever. You sold your soul for nothing. That's where we're at. The Lord says, but you will be redeemed without money. Why? Because I'm going to use a different currency. I'm going to use my son's blood. I will show you the value of your soul even though you don't have any value yourself. I'm going to treat you better than you treat yourself. Look, if you're here this morning and you're struggling with insecurity, you look in the mirror and you go, man, I'm not a whole lot. I don't think I can do anything. I'm just a loser. What da 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 Hey, look, check this out. Value is determined by the buyer. So I really don't care what you think about yourself. God bought you. And when He paid for you in Christ... He gave all of heaven. Your value can't be contained on this planet. And you need to remember that. And Isaiah in 52, and then in 53, he just details like, this is what Jesus is going to be like. Here's how He's going to be when He shows up. He's going to be pierced for our transgression. He's going to be like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. Right? His grave will be assigned with wicked men. He was with a rich man in his death. He didn't do any violence. There was no deceit in his mouth. And it just, he goes on and on and on. He goes, hey everybody, God says it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So time came and they looked and they waited and they waited and they waited. In Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 and 5, they predict that John the Baptist, excuse me, Baptist is going to show up. Isaiah 40, easy for me to say, right? Isaiah 40, verse 3 and 5. A voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. And let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the flesh will see it together for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. 
It's going to happen. Years and years later, Matthew, in the book of Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist shows up and goes, essentially, hey everybody, I'm that guy. I'm the guy who's about to make, I'm making a path for the Lord. He's here. You see what I'm saying? One person announces what God says he's going to do. There's some time, another person stands up and goes, look, it's about to happen, and then bam, it happens. You can count on it, take it to the bank, stick a fork in it, because it's done. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, just another one, just for fun. Paul, 1 Thessalonians 4. Thirteen to eighteen. We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren. While those who are asleep, we may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. By the way, do you believe that Jesus died and rose again? Amen. Well, if you believe that, here's what Paul's saying. If you believe that to be true, here's a new, it's going to happen. Even so, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. The Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. What is He essentially claiming is going to happen? Jesus is going to come again in the sky. Now, do you understand that to someone who has no belief or faith in God, that is as crazy as saying that rain is going to fall during the flood? It's that crazy. But when God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So who's going to announce that He's coming? Yeah. His messengers, His angels. You are. You're an Enoch. You're an Isaiah. You're Methuselah. Just people. God is speaking to you right now and going, look, it's going to happen. The question is, are you going to tell people about it? And we don't know when. Neither did... No, didn't know the exact day. He didn't know the same year. I mean, I tell you right now, when Methuselah was put into the ground, like, how weren't people going, yeah, I went on the boat? Some of you are like, man, I wish, wish I knew. I wish I knew. 
Well, history shows us that people that even people that knew stuff was going on, they didn't believe. Jesus said, I'm going to die and in three days be raised up. The priest said, look, we need to guard this tomb because he said he was going to die and in three days raise up. Like they knew what he said he was going to do and they still didn't believe. That's crazy. Knowledge without faith is worthless. Eternally. So you might be saying, well, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can tell people that Jesus is coming soon. I hear what you're saying. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little uncomfortable. It's socially awkward to talk about God. Now, nobody's going to raise their hand. That's me. But I mean, let's just be honest. Huh? I mean, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you been in a situation you're like, man, it's just socially, I feel so uncomfortable talking about Jesus. It's awkward. Right? Have you ever read the last three chapters of Great Controversy? If you haven't, I encourage you to check it out. Specifically the last chapter, verse four, or chapter 42. Just check it out sometime. It's good reading. It's amazing reading. But here's how it's going to work. That's all right. Let it go. It's going to happen. That's all he's saying. Here's how it's going to work. Jesus is going to come like we believe Him. It's going to happen. And let's just, for the sake of really great argument and belief and faith, Everyone in this church rises up to meet him in the air. Amen? That's what you want, right? Jesus comes and you're not like, oh! you're like, yeah. And you, I mean, like, you're like, dude. I mean, you're, uh, I, maybe you're not saying dude, but I don't know, but like, just, whoa. And you meet him in the air. You, you meet amazing people, you meet your guardian angel, you have this amazing experience, and for a thousand years, you have an opportunity to see all the people that you've missed, and then you have an opportunity to read about all the people that said, I'd rather go to hell than be with you. Because I am very convinced the only people going to hell are the people that when they've, when they've, when they've given, given the evidence, they go, I don't want to be with you. Heaven would be hell for me. Just destroy me. And you can communicate that verbally and non-verbally. There'll be no oops in the books. You're not going to say for a thousand years, oh, you missed one here. Oh, bring him up. That's not going to happen. But after a thousand years, what's going to happen is we're going to come back down and the New Jerusalem is going to be massive. Have you read about the gates? What are they, 1,500 miles long, wide, tall? Really? Tall? That's crazy. 
Like, this is, this is a city. Do, do, boo. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just, I mean, that's like, wow, the length, width, wow, tall? Is that true? Like, that's big. So, city comes down, gates are open, we're there. And then what happens is all of the wicked are raised from the dead. And when they get up and they look around, they, they're the same as when they went in. <clears throat> Adolf Hitler's just as messed up as he came. I mean, I don't know if he's going to heaven or hell, but I mean, if I'm betting, and I shouldn't be in church or a Christian, but you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he comes out of the grave and he's like, well, what's this, you know? And they look and they talk, and Satan goes, hey, everybody, I raised you all up from the dead. Look at how many we are. See that city? That's our city. And they will behold a building, a city that is greater than anything they've ever desired in their entire lives and go, whoa. And Satan's like, yeah, we got this. So let's start planning. So they start planning. They start building. They're ready. They're ready to attack the city. They get ready to go. It's like, hey, that's really my city. And so they come, and they go, and they surround the city. And they're like, we're gonna, this is simple. I mean, we're going to take this over. They've ne- Some of these guys have never lost. Like, they fully, fully believe they're going to win. And just before the attack begins, all of a sudden, Jesus rises up out of the city. And I, you're going to be like, no, come on, really? Read the book. There's a reason why we print them for $1.84 to give to anyone we could ever see, because it's awesome. Read the book. Jesus rises up, and he's surrounded by, really close by two people. One is the wickedest sinners who, by God's grace, change their minds. There's a reason for that. When the wicked go and they see Jesus, and he starts to talk, they're like, this isn't fair, we should have had a shot. And then they go, ooh, wicked Elmer's there. Dude, he was... How did he make it? By the grace of God. And you've got another group of people that go, well, I, didn't, I didn't do anything. I didn't. And then he's surrounded by these people that were slaughtered for the message. And they see them and go, oh, I killed that guy. I did unspeakable horrors to that family. Their rebuke. And what Christ does is in panoramic... 15K, you know, ultra 7D picture, whatever, just shows the plan of salvation. And they watch it. We all watch it. Because remember, we're all in heaven. We're standing on the wall. We're seeing all this, and we're like, whoa. That's not even, there's no word. And as this is going on, I can't help but imagine I see someone. And they say me. They see me. They're out there and I'm in here. And they look at me and they go, I lived next to you for 10 years. Why didn't you tell me? 
This isn't about heaven or hell. This isn't about saved or unsaved. This is about my friend. I never. I mean, how much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them about what you long for? And here's what I'm going to say. Well, I didn't want to be socially awkward. I was afraid I might hurt our relationship or our feelings, so I just, I just kept it to myself. Sorry. It's not going to cut it, because here's why I know. Friends don't let friends go to hell. Right? Look, if you are a Seventh-day Adventist in 2017, your name screams, it's going to happen. Do you want to be a part of what my brother Isaiah read so well here in Revelation 14? Do you want to be that part of those people or not? That's what God is saying to me. Like, do you really want to see me come? Really? And I say, yeah. So then he says, okay, let me make this really legit and practical. Then go talk to your neighbor. Do it now. Because it's going to happen. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I want to tell you a story that quite honestly I'm embarrassed to tell. And his face haunts me. At least once a week. Now, I love studying about psychology. I like studying about body language. I love to be able to just like, I can tell, I'm not, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but like from what I've studied, like I can tell by some of your body language certain things. It's fun. There's tons of books on it, and I love it. I've studied about proximity. I call it propinquity, but proximity, uh, intensity, duration, and, and just different things on how to read people. So when I went out to Weimar, I made a decision. I was like, I'm going to go to the dog park because I had, a, I had a dog. I said, I'm going to go to the dog park every day and I'm going to not say anything about Jesus and I'm going to establish a relationship with some people and I'm going to try and put all of these skills into work and I'm going to see if Jesus will bless this. Because you know, I'm tired of using these, these skills for evil. I want to use them for good. So I tried it. Really. I mean, like, those of you who went to high school with me and stuff, you're like, oh yeah, I remember you. Yeah. No, no, no. I want to use it for the Lord. And so here's what I did. I remember going to the dog park every day. And it sounds like a joke, but an atheist, a Jew, and a Seventh-day Adventist are sitting on a park bench. <laughs> on the, other, the other guy was, uh, um, um, he was a Greenpeace guy who's like into smoking dope. And anyway, but my point is, that was the four. We were the crew. And every day we would go, and every day we would talk about different things, and I would laugh a lot, because that's me, 
like some of the stuff they would say. And, and, and what was really crazy was this. The more I spent time with them, I didn't say anything. The more I spent time with them, the more they started to clean up their language. And they would stop swearing. I never said that. I never said don't swear or nothing. I just, they just all of a sudden got this hint that I, I didn't appreciate language. And it wasn't because I gave them the stink eye whenever they swore. It was just really weird. And it led into relation, a relationship. Like, oh, you know, what do you do? I go, well, you know, I'm a teacher over this, the Health Institute, you know, and I invited them to a concert. They came to a concert, heard my kids sing. I brought them over. I came, they go over to my house. Uh, the, the Jewish guy brought me a, a bottle of wine. I was like, dude, you know I don't drink. He's like, yeah, I know, whatever, you know. And I'm like, thanks, you know. And so, I mean, like, that's how we rolled. And so we made this really strong connection. And the, the Jewish guy's name was Carl. And what was really intriguing about him is he believed in science. I, I'm not making this up. He believed that the truth was science fiction. Now, just process that for a second. I believe in science fiction. It's like, what, how does that work? You know, Star Wars, I believe that that's really what it is. What's all about? I'm like, how? Anyway, I don't want to get sidetracked. But I do remember one time, it was Carl and Chaz, that was Chaz, Chad, Carl, and uh, Dan, and we're sitting here on the bench, and uh, Chaz is like, he used, he was a numb, and he's like just, you know, he's this older gentleman who's just like, thinks that society just stinks, and, and he's just going, which kind of is. But anyway, he just, he goes off on it, right? And then Carl gets in, and they just start trashing our society and how horrible it is and all of these these problems, and, and, and on and on and on and on and on and on. And I said, I just said, yeah, you know, I'd be super depressed if I didn't have my faith in Christ and his soon coming. And Carl says to me, you Christians. Oh, he said, that's Santa Claus stuff. You believe? He's the science fiction guy. Like, woo. Anyway, but he's like, Oh, you Christians, you always have that huge crutch. You know, you're always believing in something that doesn't exist. And I said, oh, what do you believe in, Carl? And Carl goes, I believe in people. It's like a bad Whitney Houston song. <laughs> and, and I remember this so, so clearly. Like, we all looked at each other. True story. He said, I believe in people. And there's just like dead silence. And then we all, all of us, including Carl, started busting out laughing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like that's going to fix anything. And we're like, <laughs> no, it won't. But I mean, like that was the end of the conversation. One day, Carl says, come on over. You know, and, and, it, well, and I was like, all right. So I came over. He had this, he had this uh, horse corral barn. And uh, it was just he and I. And, and we are talking about different things, and um, we're just alone. And, and, and you talk about small stuff, and, and you know, that just can only go so far. But and, and I, I'm going to be very vulnerable with you because I, I think this is a tool of the devil. Because guys have a hard time being, and, and I'm going to use a word that sounds weird, but I'm going to use it anyway. They have a hard time being intimate. From the perspective of, and maybe give me a synonym, like, oh, don't use that word, you've lost me. But like, we have a hard time, you know, like, hey man, I love you, or, 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 or I care about you, or 
let's talk about something that's so inner core, you know, that we're going to feel uncomfortable. Like, we have a hard time with that. And I remember having this sense of, you know, talk to him, you know, re, you know this is the time. And we were like, like super close. But then here's what the devil did. He's like, this is what he said. Now, he was like 25 years older than me. But the devil's like, I think this guy's gay and he's trying to get you hook up with you. I sure hope we're not recording this. But I'm just being on, let me just be super transparent. And so me like, Gator, boo, you know, then I, I freaked out. And I was like, whoa, okay, I'll see you later. But what really was going on is we were at a point of eternal conviction and God stepped me up and said, tell him it's going to happen. And because of my insecurities of a guy who was 70 years old, like I'm really going to get overpowered, like I could barely walk, <laughs> caused me to seriously freak out. I was like, hey man, it's good talking to you. I'll see you at the dog park. And I just, just you know, I gave him the nonverbal cues. And I bolted. Still, still saw each other. The dog car. We still had lunches together, but now I was like, ah, I was just, but I mean, we still were friends, but like, you know, nervous. Until the one day I got the call and said, hey, did you hear about Carl? I was like, no, what happened to Carl? He's dead. What? No, Carl can't be dead. He can't be dead. That's what I did. That's what I'm still doing. His face haunts me. It haunts me. Mm. By God's grace, I'm going to heaven. But I can't get past that he might not be. And I can't get past him staring at me and going, why? And I can't produce a reason to give him. It's one of the greatest regrets of my life. Travel all over the world telling people about Jesus and God gave it to me on a platter and I was too scared. Never again. Do you have a Carl in your life? Maybe it's Carla. You have that person you know would benefit from a relationship with Jesus. You know eternity's in the balance. You know you've been given opportunities. Do you love God and them enough to risk the awkwardness of life? And talk to them about the Lord. 
Let me tell you about awkward. The Son of God. Who Ellen White says if he would have taken on Adam's form before he even sinned, that would have been humiliating. Walk this earth for you. He's knocking on the door of your heart. Maybe you open that door and you see who's there. And here's what blows me away. You see a man who looks you in the eye and says, I love you. I've always loved you. I created this planet for you because you and me were meant to be forever. And then he drops a knee and he says, will you be with me forever? And you go, I don't know. I got stuff to do. And then he drops the other knee. Please, I'm begging you. Let me in. That's what he does. <laughs> and you still don't listen? And then he says, Rick, help me. They won't listen to me. Maybe they'll listen to you. What say you, Rick? What say you? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I just want to make a call. I feel impressed to do it. Maybe there's someone here by the way, I just want to just tell you something. It's awkward to make these calls because you're nervous. Forget awkward. I don't care. I don't care. I don't want another Carl. There might be someone here this morning or afternoon. I don't know what time it is. Who's saying, uh, yeah, I'm here, and I was going to come to camp meeting, and we were going to have some really good food, and I was just going to do this church thing, there's AC here, but you didn't expect to run into Jesus, and right now, he's begging you, give me your heart. Maybe you've never done it before, or maybe this is a situation where you divorced him. And you want to get back together. Or, or to speak in a more masculine tone, you've been trying your whole life to be the man and you realize you're not. And you want to just say, I'm tired of doing it alone. I want you to. 
It's a very specific call. If there's someone here this morning, the Holy Spirit is convicting you, I just want to pray with you. Come here. Just come on up. You say, well, why do you make people do this? Because it's important for you to make that decision for Him. Is there anyone here this morning? I'm going to ask you to come forward. There's two calls. That's the first one. Is there anyone? I'll wait. So while it'd be awkward, come on up, Alan. Amen. Amen. So it's awkward. It ain't awkward. All of these people are, are for you. Amen. This ain't a hostile crowd. I guarantee you all these people are like, Alan! And Alan, this ain't nothing compared to what they're saying. And I can't hear it, but they, if there's ever a righteous party, it's now. Is there anyone else that wants to join Alan and me? I'm just making this offer, making this plea to do so. Amen. Come on up. Amen. Amen. Brian? Amen, Brian. Tell me your name. Cheyenne. Cheyenne? What's your name? Michael. Amen. 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 I'm tired of doing it myself. I'm tired of being alone. I need you, Jesus. Let me tell you this. When you drop to your knees, it's the strongest position you ever could be in. Because now he's in control. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. Done. I love you. All right. It's good to see you. Amen. 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 Anyone else? Amen. You can do this. You can do this. He said it's going to happen. And if he says it's going to happen... It's going to happen. Come on now, sister. Amen. Amen. See, I'm not the only one crying. Amen. Amen. Second call. By the way, <laughs> there's still time if you want to come up. Second call. Maybe, maybe this is the year 
you get over yourself and you pour your life out like a drink offering for the Lord and you say, I will beg God for one soul. I will beg God. I will live my life in such a way that somebody will come to Jesus because of me this next year. I will commit my life to finding a Bible study with one person and I will beg Him for it so that by this time next year, I will have an active relationship with someone who needs Jesus. I'm tired of pretending. I'm tired of playing church. This is for real. I will not have a Carl in my life. I will have no regrets. Regrets. Specifically, I commit to finding someone and getting into the Word with them this next year. If that is your desire, I'm going to ask you, now think about this. It's not like everybody stand with this appeal so we can sing the closing song. That's not what I'm talking about. Because quite honestly, I know half of you. I'm going to be calling you out, Brock, if you stand up. My cousin. If this is something you want to do, I will commit my life this next year to finding someone and talking to them about Jesus and starting a Bible study with them. If that's something you want to do, I ask you to stand. Okay, it's on. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look around. And if you see somebody you know, I want you to do this to them right now. I want you to do this. I want you to go, uh, uh. I'm serious. I want you to find and go, uh, uh. And here's what I mean. You've got to be accountable. I want you to do this. And this can't be forgotten. Next week, when the chaplets and the haystacks have passed, the commitment stays. Amen? 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 Amen. Look, this is what you do. You come forward and you say, I'm all in. And now you go like Andrew and you find somebody. You find your brother. You find your sister. And you go, come, meet the man who loved me and taught me everything I know. Mmm, mmm. This next year, by God's grace, He will use you to win a soul for His kingdom. And it'll be the greatest thing you've ever done. Trust me. God, that is our prayer. That is our desire. Use us. Lord, we understand that the reason why we'll follow You wherever You go is because You've got our hand. And You're leading us. So lead on, O King Eternal. Lead us to the people that need You. Give us the courage and strength to speak to them. And Lord, come soon so that we all will meet You in the sky when You come. As our prayer. It is our desire. It's going to happen. In Jesus' name, Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.